I'm Candace Michelle, and this is Our Community. Well, Thanksgiving is done, except for the leftover turkey. And it feels like we're hurtling towards the rest of the holiday season. It will be in our rearview mirror much sooner than we think, naturally, and we'll be starting a new year. You know, my mother used to say that the years move more quickly the older you get. I remember thinking at the time that that sounded a little lame. But as usual, my mother was right. Time just seems to be speeding by at this point. So enjoy these next few weeks, folks, because before you know it, it's going to be summer again. (laughs) I have Diana Cooper back with us today. Diana is the executive director of Brookings Core Response, a nonprofit that helps some of our more vulnerable population get hooked up with the services that they need. Hi, Diana. Welcome back to the show. Hey. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's been a minute. It has been a minute, hasn't it? I was trying to remember (laughs) when I last had you on the show, and I think it was September. It was yeah, at least I'm well. Maybe I was August. Say at least October, but but September, yeah, that's yeah, probably right. But it might have been August because I think I, I, I think no I idea. stopped recording this for the election, mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't. Oh, you're right. It probably was September because we we kind of went on pause. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, fascinating, yeah. fascinating. So, so Diana and I both ran unsuccessfully. It appears. <laughs> for the Brookings City Council (laughs) in the recent election. The loss, I don't know, for me, it was pretty disappointing, Um, in part because Mm. I think we had some really good ideas about keeping the voters informed and making city government more accessible to the normal person. Mm. But how how was it for you? Well, you know, I know sometimes when we talk about this, you consider me a, a pessimist, although maybe not so much anymore. But <laughs> maybe um, a realist now, huh? <laughs> yeah, realist. <laughs> I I certainly was like, you know, I it's not likely that I'm going to win because we ha- there's certain hurdles that you have to kind of get over in order to be a, a good candidate for a city council in this community. In I mean, in every community. community, has the kind of their. They kind of have their, like, this is who we want, you know? Right. And I know that I'm, you know, the makeup of me is not particularly what everybody wants. And, you know, obviously I ran before, so I know about how much of the community wants this. Um, But I was hoping that, um, you know, being able to get out there more of the last couple of years and talking more and just being more open, you know, people would understand what my credentials were and just sort of you know, who I am and what I wanted to bring to council. But, you know, I didn't really have, um, I wasn't sure that I would have much more of a chance than I did last time. And it was about the same. Was it? I was, however, um, yeah, it was, it was about, I think, 40, 60 last time. And this time was like 37, you know, 63 or whatever. And, uh, but, but for you, <laughs> I was more surprised. <laughs> I was, a, one, I was a little surprised uh, too. I I just thought well, I there certainly was more. expected a yeah. I, I yeah. certainly expected at least the same people that had voted for me and for Teresa to have voted for right? you because out right? of all the options to me that 
seemed like more the people that we're in line with would want. But that was an interesting split. Yeah. Um, And then Teresa's, I guess, surprised me a little bit, you know, obviously in a good way because yeah, I think she, she closed got close that gap. 45% or something, which she was, did. And that's enormous. I'm not sure why the dynamics of that one, although it was two females running. And so there is something right. to be said, you know, in our community about, uh, you know, male and female leadership. And so I did think that that might have given her an edge. Right. Um, God, I didn't even just, think about that. Amazing. Yeah, I didn't even think about Historically, that. that's yeah. kind of been, exactly. I mean, obviously who we've leaned towards. And so I yeah. knew I had that barrier already up right. against me. And you must have had it twice. Twice. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess I wasn't surprised that I lost. Disappointed is a good word. Mm-hmm. You know, disappointed mm-hmm. that not well, one I think of us we had made some it out there. Really good ideas. And, you know, yeah. I, I know for sure that I'm not going to let go of my ideas. And, you know, it's not right. Yeah, it's not like they're because gonna shut me up, right? <laughs> we we weren't running on, um, although we did have some specific things we were talking about. We weren't running on one specific platform. We were really running on disseminating information because yeah. you know you and I attend a lot of meetings. We yep. watch a lot of meetings. We, I mean, we we also communicate a lot um, with leadership. You know, in general at the city, right. Um, so we do understand what's going on and it's funny cause we're going to be talking about some things that are kind of big deals, you know, Right. but that I don't think anybody not, knows well, about. No. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's why we wanted to run. Cause it was like, Hey, you guys like right. all this stuff is, it's not happening behind the curtain even. That's the sad part. Right. It's right. Right there. And it's not like everything that the council is doing or the city, you know, I think everybody, uh, there's a lot that's happening in the city, but there's a couple of major things that are happening. So uh, it's, it's stuff like that that we really want to find a way to get more people interested in for our own reasons. You know, you have yours, I have mine. And right. I mean, they're probably similar, but I definitely am frustrated at the lack of participation in my age group and my generation. But um, I remember, you know, I distinctly remember what it was like being in my 30s and 40s and how how consumed I was with just everyday living because it it took so yeah. much you know being a parent and making sure that we had enough money to keep a roof over our heads and food in our stomachs and I mean it it really but it's was like, it's your one ticket to democracy though yeah, why would you give it up for I free know, I know that's that's what I've never, you know, my my first year of voting was uh, 2008. That was the first year I was of age to vote. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, that I obviously I voted for Obama. So and then the next year, um, you know, I was very excited to vote, not just in the primaries, but in the midterms. And so right. for me, that was like, I'm poor, you know, we're not well off and um i want government to work more for people like me and so that that's the only ticket i had right exactly exactly and i think that a lot of times people don't see how the issue impacts them personally and because they Mm -hmm. don't see what that personal impact is they say oh well you know it's it's not important i'll let somebody else decide because it's not 
It's not going to impact right. me. But the reality is that these decisions that that our city council mm-hmm. makes, that our they county commissioners impact. make, they definitely impact us in ways that yes. you know, we don't we don't necessarily know unless we're paying attention to what's going on. Even and then very, sometimes we don't know. Yeah. It's very coded and it's not necessarily yeah. intentional in any one person's part. It's that you almost have to understand what led up to that decision. And I mean, you do, you have to understand yep. everything involved in that decision that they made. Um, and even some of the smaller decisions because they impact on a larger scale. And so you kind of have to understand all of this lingo and all of this dynamics and economics and things like that, that, you know, we don't necessarily, although I mean, I didn't know that when I turned 18, but I still, I could see some sort of domino effect, or at least I, you know, was under that idea. Well, I remember when Jake was talking about um, how he got involved in city council. And it was because there was a personal issue. You know, they mm-hmm. they were trying That's to how change. a lot of people do, yeah. Exactly. Um, they were trying to change the the rules about. The sign thing, I yeah, think. Yeah, sign thing or something. And I that's how wrong. he got involved. And then, you know, once you've started to get involved, you actually see what the dynamics are and where mm-hmm. you can make a difference or right. where you can't. Um, and you can't unsee it once you've no, seen it. <laughs> you can't unsee it. Yeah. But I think that very few people, unless they've got a specific issue that in, involves them, um, they just they don't they don't listen. You know they don't mm-hmm. they don't pay they don't pay attention. I mean the the city council meetings are televised. So if you if you don't want to go out. You can mm-hmm. sit at home and watch the meeting, and I—I I just think people would be shocked, frankly, if they yeah. saw some of those meetings. It's—it's it's sort of like uh, the interesting part is, you know, even though I said I got, I started voting when I was eighteen, I did not get involved in, you know, what that looked like on the—I won't say day to day because obviously we're not at the city, but month to month. Whenever the meetings were, I didn't get involved in the meetings until, um, you know, I started trying to really advocate and started creating resources. And to do that, you have to understand what's happening at the city. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't certainly didn't get involved in the way that I did, you know, am now mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. But um, and and you're right because when you're on the ground and you're out there living life, like you don't have time to go to a city council meeting, nor would you want to. I mean, the value yeah, is right? not really yeah. there. Right. Yeah, I mean, unless kind of it sometimes. specifically was an issue that you were concerned about. And and right. I've seen people show up, you know, if if there's, for instance, if there's a, a short-term vacation rental going in in their right, neighborhood, yeah. they will show up for, for that, that issue, right? Because they don't want that to happen and they want to make their opinions known. Not that it makes 
the slightest difference to our city right. council, right? Because you, because that's the whole pre-work that happens before that meeting. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. And you have to be involved then, which is a lot of work for somebody who maybe doesn't have time. I know to I devote. Know. Yeah, so it's it can it be, does make sense. Yeah, it can be very daunting to try and get involved in the issues that come up. But, you know, the reality is that if you're not involved, you are not, you, you don't have a say. You're not, mm -hmm. you're not using your ability to um, at least try to change stuff. I mean, you know, the parallel to that too, in the work that I'm doing is, you know, people don't quite understand what's happening at, at the city level um and so we think things are working a certain way and then you get involved like you know i went down started getting involved and the more i saw the more i was like oh no i that's you know there's nobody in there speaking for me or speaking for the people like me and so we think things are running a certain way and you have to get involved to kind of understand really just how i don't want to say how bad because it's not like i mean yes there are some things that are happening that are bad but it's not like everything's all bad at the city. But also in, when we're talking about resources, you know, I've mentioned this before that people assume certain things about resources like, oh, you know, DHS works perfectly if you or the VA, you know, if, you, if you're a veteran, there's resources for you. If you're old or disabled, there's resources for you. And, you know, if you have mental health, although I think we understand there's no n not as much mental health, but um you know, that's just not the reality. So it's kind of the same as the way that the city is. Yeah, we assume that everything is going okay because our if our house catches on fire, there is a fire engine outside, right? right. So so we assume But do we really know that the fire engine's there? <laughs> yeah. Like we do, but in certain yeah. senses, sometimes I'm not sure. I think we just take it for granted. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that is what it is. We're exactly. taking we, our we democracy do. for granted. We do. We take it for granted yeah. and we assume that we are being fairly represented. Um mm -hmm. where, you know, if you if you look at the city council, if you know, particularly our city council, um there're five people up there and four of them are men and the the woman was just appointed you know, what, a year ago or something. So mm -hmm. one token woman was just appointed. So it, it's like, you, you know, really we're not being adequately represented. If you're female and there's one person up on city council who looks like you, is that adequate representation? I don't, I mean, right? I, and nobody up there sounds like me, has my background no. or, I mean, not that everybody's going to represent the entire community, but but there ought to be somebody. We're missing. We're missing some, definitely some huge chunks yes, of the community. Exactly, exactly. And I, you know, one of the the big issues that's up and that has been up since um, July Fourth weekend that I am I am just constantly amazed that when I talk to people, they don't know what I'm talking about. Um, is mm -hmm. the current city manager who was mm -hmm. arrested for shoplifting at Freddy's on the 4th of July weekend and has been on paid administrative leave since, I believe, the 8th of July, is still on paid mm -hmm. administrative leave, um, and 
at home because she's not allowed to come in. Um, oh, no, I think they can actually contact her for They are allowed to talk advising. to her on the phone, right, but she can't come in. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so it, it's like, well, all right, and, and her her court date keeps getting pushed off. I think it's it's been three times now that it's been mm-hmm. pushed off. The, the latest is December 30th, and she hasn't even entered a plea yet. I mean, it, it's like we're... We're still in the early days of all of this mm-hmm. legal stuff. And so it, it will be six months that she will have been uh, getting a, a full salary, full benefits. Um, I didn't realize it had been so long. That's yeah. quite a while. It'll be six months. And, that's, and it's, yeah, it's that's quite a you know, time. it's mind boggling to me. Absolutely mind boggling. But what's worse, I think for me anyway, is that, you know, our current mayor, Hedenskog, who just got reelected, wants to keep her on, you know, he, mm-hmm. he wants to somehow bring her back onto city staff and put her in charge of a brand new position, grants. It's like, wow. Right, yeah. Wow. She was arrested for theft. You know, um, one of the components to this is that because this is an election year mm-hmm. and, you know, it's changing hands, um, so we have Councilor-elect Andy Martin will be sworn in in January, but then Brad is leaving, and Brad is leaving early. Yes. So, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I what, think Monday. Brad leaving? I think they, they he's tendered his resignation and... Uh, I believe the council will accept the resignation on Monday and appoint a new counselor. And that counselor will serve out uh, Brad Alcorn's entire right two-year term. So yeah. about two years left, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, it's going to be changing hands. Um, Brad's leaving early. And so, you know, Ed, Ron, John, and Michelle will be electing another counselor before Andy even gets up there. Yep. And, you know, Michelle, Ron, and Ed are the ones that voted to keep Janelle on, which yep. I think we heard from community members this month that didn't feel that that was the ethical thing to do when we went. Um, I can't remember which day. Yeah, I think it was the... November. Yeah, the 14th, maybe. That, yeah. That there council you. meeting. Yeah. 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 There were and quite a few community members who showed up to mm-hmm. voice. And I, I was actually kind of surprised that there were so many and that they were I so was vocal about I did not think they were there for that. No. Actually. No. And so um that was kind of encouraging. Not not so much that people are up complaining or whatever, you know, the case may be, but that people are getting involved and that they're actually listening and paying attention because this is not about the will of the council, just the will of the council. You know, this is also about the community and this affects all of us. And so we do need to speak for ourselves. And there's obviously facts that we don't know, which is normal in situations where someone's accused of a crime. Right. But a stakeholder looking in then, you know, I, I see a social double standard that's presented here. And you know, it's not like um, I haven't been to that exact podium and asked for support for people who also struggle. So, I mean, that's something I don't think that I don't know that they really see those issues. I know Ron, it does not feel like Ron does. And mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I have concerns 
Ed, Ed had pointed out, I think, that Janelle had has not been convicted, but many of the people that I know have never even committed a crime. Um, and so I'm not saying don't extend grace to Janelle because I, you know, I obviously I don't know all the details, though I think there are more stakeholders in this situation, you know, but I'm certainly saying that this should bear equal scrutiny. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. That's... And if, if you're, if you're going to extend so much leeway to um, mm -hmm. somebody in Janelle's position who has violated public trust, you should be able to extend a little bit to somebody who at this point hasn't really violated any public trust. They just, you know, haven't been able to have a shower because they don't have a place mm -hmm. to live. And, I mean, and even you and I, I mean, we would not get that same. Oh, I no. Would, I wouldn't imagine, but... You know, and if this this conversation, even just, you know, talking about Janelle and what happened, and if this conversation and the things that, you know, we're all talking about here and the things that were said at the meeting, if they don't feel good, if if holding Janelle accountable doesn't feel good, um, and, and this includes to Janelle herself, then maybe we need to reevaluate how we judge those who commit crimes or why we judge them. Mm -hmm. You know, my hope is that the council members that are advocating for Janelle keep this in mind when we do come forward and advocate for other community members. And that's not just unsheltered, that's everybody. Right. You know, anything other than that is preferential treatment. You know, in nonprofit, it's illegal. In the government, it's at least unethical. Right. Right. And, you know, the excuse that you watched her grow up is, um, I mean... Right, I've watched people grow up around here and exactly. not Exactly. It doesn't that. really that is hold the water, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, if we're, when it comes to things like this, I mean, I understand on the legal side, you can um, take take a person's background into account and things like that. But when it comes to the social moral side where we pass judgment on someone outside of the law, which is what we're talking about here, mm -hmm. because that can happen in employment situations. It doesn't, you know, it, it can be perception. Right. In fact, written into some of our job descriptions at CORE, and probably including mine, I'm mm -hmm. sure, mm -hmm. you know, it talks about that very perception. Um, I know in our conflict of interest policy, it talks about the perception That's right. of, um, you know, not just criminal activity, but unethical activity. Right. So right. it doesn't have to be, Legal. So this conversation that we're talking about here, we're talking about um, passing judgment just kind of at our own leisure. Mm -hmm. And that that is completely unequal in this situation. So mm, that I, I take agree. issue with that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's uh, it's pretty unacceptable. And and the reality is that very few people in the community seem to be aware of it. I mean, I, I think that's why it surprised me so much that those community members did show up. Um, because, you know, when I'm talking to people just, you know, at the grocery store or whatever, they don't know. They don't know. They don't know what she's done or what she's been accused of or how long she's been on administrative leave. She, they have no idea that she's getting full salary and benefits. I mean, it, it's like they just assumed that if something were wrong, it was going to get handled. And it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not getting handled. And that's why handled. I, you know, I appreciate 
well, media. I mean, I know we're doing this podcast here, but also the pilot, you know, putting out the articles that they have really being as transparent as possible. And I think almost in a way that is sort of showing the community like, hey, this is an important issue. And, you know, they've covered it multiple times and at length. And so this is not just a um, a small shove under the rug, or I guess it's not just a small issue where you read it in the paper and you're like, oh, it'll, it'll handle itself. If you're reading the paper or you're re- hearing anything about this, um, it is, it is not going to handle itself. And it, it, from the looks of it right now, it's likely that more unethical decisions will be made. And it, it, it kind of boggles my mind because, um, it, it feels like, um, the mayor is going all in on making sure that he keeps Janelle. Um, and, and he doesn't seem to mind that quite a few people disagree with him. Um, he doesn't seem to mind that other counselors and staff and uh, attorneys disagree with him. He, it, and That's, it, that just, is, he's very close to the situation. Wow. And he... <laughs> And I know this because in social work, we talk about this, where Mm -hmm. you Mm over-identify with the person and you can't separate your feelings from theirs. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's a lot of this conversation. It's not a passive conversation in the work that we do. Mm -hmm. um, Is And and I've also been, um, you know, I've also over-associated with with clients and the people that I am particularly trying to help because I come from that lived experience. And so it's almost like, you know, he's having... I mean, it's almost like a conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Because I would think so. He's too close to the situation. Right. He's too close to Janelle, and he's admitted that. Right. And saying, you know, I feel like she's a daughter to me, and right. she grew up here, and he wants to give her leeway. That in and of itself seems like a reason to step back because he's not able to see clearly. And again, clearly doesn't mean Janelle's guilty and should go to jail and should be fired and all that. Clearly means by assessing all of the risks and facts. And right. we're talking about public interest and public trust yep and those are it's not you know i i already was aware of um you know past situations with coos bay that were questionable and so it seems like everything together you should be able to look at that objectively and make a better decision but he is so close to it and he's feeling that pull right and i want to say i understand ron because when i come speak on behalf of the people I'm serving, that's what I'm feeling. What you're feeling right now is what I'm feeling. And although I do try to maintain ethics and boundaries and, um, you know, I'm not asking for things that are outrageous, although obviously it sounds like it to some. So isn't that funny? interesting um, double standard we have here? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just odd. I can't tell if we're supposed, if we all got here by pulling up our bootstraps or if we got, all got here by, um, Second chances. (laughs) I wonder. I wonder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Another piece of information. Well, to to wrap the Janelle thing up, just because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to keep people current. So uh, Gary Milliman, who used to be our city manager, was brought back in by the city council as uh, city manager pro tem during these months since Janelle was arrested. Um, so that we could keep the city functioning, basically. It needed to have a city manager since she couldn't uh, couldn't do that. So 
he's been here and he's done a great job as far as I'm concerned. Um, I've seen some of the new things mm -hmm. that he's done. He's got weekly reports going out that are full of he's information. Very, really, yeah, very informative. Yeah, really, really good. And my experience with Gary Milliman is that he is a very intelligent man who makes good decisions for the good of the of the city. I he's, may not he's always. He's very objective. Yes. That has been my experience. Yeah. I, I don't always even agree with right. the things that he says, but he's very objective in how he says them, which tells me yep. he's open to information. Yes. And that he's thinking, right? So he's not mm -hmm. being governed by what he's feeling. He's thinking. And that is what's contributing. Mm -hmm. However, um, evidently in our Brooking City Charter, it says that we can't have a city manager pro tem for any longer than mm -hmm. six months. So Gary is now out and the city right. is hiring a new city manager pro tem. Again, they can't replace Janelle because she is still the city manager and until and unless there is some kind of separation with that position, we will have Janelle collecting her entire salary and actually have a city manager pro tem who's doing the work. Just and, and we're also paying that salary. And we're paying that salary, yeah, which is just bizarre. So, so anyway, just so the people know, uh, Gary's on his way out and Christy whose last name I can't remember right now, is on her I way in. Out. Yeah, I can't remember. Starts with a W. Um, now, there's another issue that is going on, um, which is the Coos Curry Electric Co-op and the right. franchise fee and all of that stuff, which, you know, yeah. again... <laughs> Like, I know it's it's like sliding under the radar and everybody's just like, ah, oh, not a big deal, not right. a big deal. And I'm like, wait, right. this is it's kind a of a big deal. I mean, yeah. it's it's not going to be as noticeable to people, you know. It's it's like the frog in the pot thing. We yeah. really just don't notice these things yeah, when they're exactly. just being talked about. So, so the background is that uh, CCEC has had an agreement with the city of Brookings that instead of paying a franchise fee, which m all other utilities pay a franchise fee, but instead of doing that, they have taken on um, making sure that the streetlights work. So they've installed in and, kind and right. It's basically in kind stuff. Um, but evidently when that, when you pencil that out, it comes out to about 1% um, mm -hmm. of the, of the whole income, I believe. Of like, of the, yeah, basically of every, uh, the gross. Right. Um, revenues. Not profit, the gross revenue. Revenues. Yeah. So what, so that so that agreement is now up, and they have to um, come up with a new agreement, negotiate uh, the city of Brookings and CCEC, and um, the city of Brookings wants to go to seven seven point five percent as um, a franchise fee. Now they're they're 
don't want to do it right away. They want to, you know, kind of uh, bring it in slowly over a few years kind of thing. CCEC has made it very clear. Uh, they sent out a, an email to, to all of us and, and we are, we're not only the customers, but we are the owners of CCEC because it is a co-op. Um, and they've said the, the their board of directors has said basically, you know, we're we are just going to put that cost. We're going to hand that cost right out to you guys. We are your bills are going to go up with this franchise mm-hmm. fee. So um, I can see that the the city is like excited because if they're charging, you know, seven percent suddenly they've got this windfall of, you know, right. something like $600,000 a year that's going to be coming in. But the reality is that that, that windfall is, at, is our taxes. We're, we're going yeah. to be paying that, not in, in a tax, but as right, in a fee. an increase in our electrical mm-hmm. bill, which, you know, it's it's appalling and and you know what they say is that well you know five six seven years down the road you know we're probably looking at a um a eight dollar to nine dollar increase in each household's electrical bill and while that doesn't sound like a lot for some people, it really is. For some people who mm-hmm. are not only on just fixed income, but but something like Social Security fixed income, and that's yeah, all that's, they have. That's what I think of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think of you know the eight forty one a month is actually the max amount you get under Social Security income, which for people who don't know the difference, there's Social Security disability income, which you pay into as you work. And then there's social security income or social security insurance, excuse me. And so you basically, that is um, money that is for people who are disabled um, or elderly and they're poor and they don't have enough. And so this is a, um, you have to make no money to get this basically. Um, I think you can work a part-time job and I don't remember what the max amount you can make is, but essentially you're living off of 841 a month. And so for people you know, the average person has, I think they said about $80 when you're done paying all your bills, um, if you have social security income. So you would actually be paying about 10% of your, um, what's called disposable income, which Mm -hmm. is, we know that, I mean, for most people, they don't even have the $80. So, um, especially with rent the way it is right now. So that actually is kind of a big deal. And you can have your electricity shut off for, you know, not being able to pay $5 of your bill. So it is, it is a big deal. Every dollar is a big deal. But, um, you know, and the franchise fees themselves are not uncommon. Um, franchise fees are basically fees that, you know, municipalities, like in this case, the city of Brookings, is able to charge a utility company. And that's, um, some cities have water fee, you know, franchise fees because their water company is not owned by the city. Um, and some have, you know, ch- I think Charter has a franchise fee. Um, so internet, things like that. And it's to use the public rights of way. And so basically the thought was if city resources needed to be used to maintain or fix something on the rights of way, 
um, that public funding would only benefit the utility and the, you know, the consumers. So charging a fee is a way to ensure that citizens don't pay for the services that they're not connected to. Um, now, in a lot of cases, these services are used by people that are also citizens, which is, you know, kind of our our case. So this isn't charter. This is the electric company, and there's only one. Yep. Um, which, <laughs> if you know about monopolies, it's, it's a monopoly. And it's a co-op. Right, it's a co-op. Right, yeah. So it's not for profit. Right. Um, but, you know, an example would be like, someone who purchased only sol- solar sources of power. So they may not want to pay into that um, electrical fee, you know, which again, that's kind of rare and that's probably um, not the best scenario or the most common scenario. And I don't know what all the scenarios are, right? but that's kind of, you know, if you had solar energy, you wouldn't want to pay a fee um, in your taxes or whatever right? to um, cover this cost to maintain the rights of way. So, um, basically, companies cannot take public money without providing a good or service. So, utility fee would be the city's way of protecting its citizens. Mm-hmm. However, in this, in that case, if it was just to protect the citizens, then um, they would only charge a fee equal to the cost, which is about a hundred thousand dollars. Right. So, you know, that's what the city has said is their is their um, that's what they consider to be the cost or the opportunity cost of providing the rights of way and providing the access. So, um, yeah, you know, I think that every dollar that goes through, like you said, is going to be after the hundred thousand, because at a hundred thousand dollars, it doesn't change anything for the city. It doesn't change anything for the consumers, the citizens, the company. Um, what it actually does is provides a net gain for the city if they keep it at 1% because they don't have to pay for administrative costs every time they want to install a new light. They don't have to go out and figure out how many citizens there are, because um, that's also part of this this deal that the city has right now, is they right. can only have so many lights per citizen right. to make sure that the cost is equal. Right. So, right. And because we have a co-op, um, they have agreed to socialize, not absorb, but socialize. Um, now, I heard up to 3.5%, but it sounds like Mayor Hedenskog heard four and a half percent. So I don't know. I'm I'm pretty sure it's three and a half, but I guess I could be wrong there. So they're they're willing to socialize that, meaning um, spread it out amongst all of the customers, not just Brookings, which would mean that people would only see, you know, if the city kept it at three and a half percent, they would make two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of money that doesn't provide any additional service, like Ron pointed out. And the consumers would see a small increase, like maybe, maybe two dollars mm-hmm. on their bill. Mm-hmm. So you know, and most co-op or most electric companies and utilities do pass this cost along. That's pretty common. So the city knows that, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that they kind of take that into account. Right. But people will see their electric bill go up, and um, you know, I know that. It may not be startling for some, but also the second largest consumer in Brookings is the Brookings Harbor School District. Oh. So, yeah. So this is essentially a pass-through tax, Mm -hmm. even though it's not a tax, Mm -hmm. um, to the city from consumers that will need subsidization in the school system um, from our taxes from actual citizens. So when we talk about taxes, there's something called deadweight loss, and I'm not going to go into all that here, but... It basically creates a huge deadweight loss. Um, the higher the fee, 
the less actual benefit to customers and citizens. So, you know, I don't know what the city is going to end up doing here, but my hope is that they will, um, you know, ideally they would only pass 1%. That That is what they've stated is the cost of services to the rights of way. And actually, you know, Hedenskog stated that they service their own, the co-op services its own rights of way. So, um, its own equipment. So the city actually doesn't have much of a cost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's really just a free $100,000 that essentially is sitting somewhere in the city's budget just in case they need to use it to service the rights of way. Right. So, you know, anything above that 1% is just a pass through. Yep. Gravy. Gravy, gravy for the city. Yeah. <laughs> I know just more stuff. And that's, it's kind of difficult. That, you know, like a lot of the parts about city, it's kind of difficult to understand what's happening. And so then when we get our bill with everything, I mean, I electric bill, water bill, you know, we have a fee. Um, that was one of the things that was mentioned was um, if we take the fee off the water bill, and use some of this revenue to cover the public safety officer, which is our community resource officer, we could bring in that additional revenue and take it off of the water bill. So we're basically just switching it, mm -hmm. um, which I don't know what the point of that would be, um, other than people would actually get a service for that raised fee. But it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, it just kind of evens it out. Oh, and it, it kind it's of very yeah, it kind of feels like that that game where you've got a a little ball underneath the the walnuts and you're you're kind of moving the walnuts around <laughs> and you're trying to figure out where the ball is. Yeah, you know, it's like really, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Think, I and think we could be a whole lot more forthcoming than that, but you know, right? It's just like this is all the boring stuff at city the yes. city council that yes. we don't. But it's, it does boring sometimes us. for me. It does affect It absolutely us, will. You know? Yeah. And that's Because I know thing. that there are people that are going to hear this and they're going to be like, I don't even understand what exactly. she just said. Exactly. Don't understand and, and don't care. But you're yeah, going to care when you open you're gonna up see your it. bill. You're going to care. And so when you open up the bill yeah. and you see this um, franchise fee, now mind you, it's going to scale in. So it'll be 1% mm -hmm. the first mm -hmm. year. I think. 2% the all next. Of whatever. Yeah. You won't really notice it. And so, you know, that's certainly a way to do it. But I also want you to know that after that 1%, it's just free money that you're passing to the city. That's right. It has no benefit. And right. Ron pointed that out. Right. So, you know, the city is aware. Um, and so when you see that, just think, maybe not all this explanation I just gave, but just think mm -hmm. this is free money I'm passing through. And yeah. let's hope that the city, you know, is using that. I, I totally agree with, um, social, some social programs. I absolutely do. But those are usually passed through a tax, not passed to consumers of a business. Right, right. So pass the tax and that's how you fund the service. Right. That's the, that's the appropriate way. Right. right. And, you know, taxes aren't great themselves. Um, they've got a lot of dead weight loss too, but that's the appropriate way. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, quite frankly, the stuff that we've seen at the city level for, for the last, I'm going to say two years anyway, um, in terms of the way they spend the money, um, you know, there was a lawsuit that uh, that woman who was disabled mm -hmm. brought and won. So that was money that the city 
had to right. pay out. Was several hundred thousand. Yes, yes, had to pay out, and our and our insurance rates went up. So not only yes, quite a bit. right. So not only, but I think twenty five percent. Yeah, twenty five thousand dollars. Something, something. There was a twenty five yeah. in there. Um, I remember seeing percent. <laughs> yeah. So, and and then you know this stuff with Janelle. I mean. We yeah, are that's, currently that's going to be, paying mm -hmm. her a full salary with benefits and paying another city manager to actually do the work. So, so and and a full full pay with benefits is about $250,000 cost to the city um, per year. They did vote to to wait to give her a raise while she's on administrative leave, which I thought was smart. Thank goodness. Um but that that's essentially what it is. Is two hundred fifty thousand is um, a year cost for her um, salary and benefits, and so we've spent, you know, one hundred twenty five thousand already. Just well, by the end of this year, yep. we will have. Yep. Um, and that doesn't include the P. Un, what is it? The PTO accrual, which is unlimited. Right. So right. if there was a raise, uh, Teresa had pointed out, all of that PTO, the value would go up right and so this is our you know this is our money that yes. is yes. going out and yep. we want the city exactly. to make healthy decisions with our money and and so that they're not increasing pass-through fees onto us exactly pass-through fees that we shouldn't have to be paying because right and there's definitely and ways there's we can cut costs still a lawsuit with st Tim's that Right, no. we don't know what's going to no, happen with exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. That that is so that was so avoidable. It was so avoidable. Mm -hmm. It did not have to happen. So, yeah, it's um it's frustrating. It's frustrating at at the very least. It's frustrating. Um yeah. so the the whole thing with Brad, um he Brad Alcorn um was elected to the county government, so he will become a, a mm -hmm. county commissioner. Evidently, he is, I don't know if he's going to take, if he's going to join them early. Like take or, his position early? Yeah, you have no idea. But but he's resigned his council position as of Monday, so he's right. theoretically free. I don't know if that's in preparation or if he's going no, to be don't know. going up there, but that would yeah. that would mean that Pash is is resigning early and I have not heard anything I've yet. Not either. But yeah. I mean I that could happen this week because I think the agenda will come out um on Monday oh, or Tuesday. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you know if if you have any uh feelings about who should get appointed to the city council listeners uh, out there <laughs> now is the time to make your wishes known because they will be doing that on monday night they'll be they'll be filling that position and that that position will be with us then for the next two years um yes at least yeah. because they'll be they'll serve out the rest of brad's term and then if they're elected again that would be an additional four so whoever it is will be at least for the next two years and it's interesting to note um, that what I heard from uh, Councillor Alcorn during his entire uh, run for this BOC position was all about law enforcement. I never heard anything mm -hmm. that didn't relate in some way to law enforcement. 
every mm-hmm. idea he had, every every plan that he was hey, even coming global up with, warming, everything was about increasing law enforcement. And Sounds like a lot of taxes. It's, yeah. We haven't had a successful <laughs> campaign of raising taxes for law no, enforcement in this county. No, he 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 says he has a a great idea for doing that. He has he's got a okay. good plan, but. You know, if if the plan <laughs> involves taxes, uh, I don't know. That plan has never never worked, not yet. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting. It's it's just I I find it I find it frustrating. I guess that that somebody thinks that there is one answer to every problem. That the answer right. to every problem is more police. Like, how, really? I mean... Well, there has to be a mixture of things. I'm never, um, you know, I'm never one to say like, oh, well, that won't work. But yeah, I mean, it can't work in and of itself. We can't police our way out of homelessness. And honestly, we can't police our way out of crime because if you think about a lot of the causes for crime, um, you know, I mean, child abuse is like number one. And you can't necessarily police your way out of child abuse. I don't see how that happens. Um, but there are a lot of really healthy, um, you know, a lot of really healthy classes and, um, you know, parenting classes and education and social supports and things like that, that have proven much more effective at reducing child abuse than, um, policing. And, and in fact, sometimes policing can be traumatic for children. I know there's a lot of programs out there, um, to kind of help develop and introduce, children to positive law enforcement. And, and that is helpful. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, is that parents, parent, you know, parent education is number one at producing, you know, preventing child abuse and neglect. So right. I think that more social programs, obviously, I feel strongly about social programs, um, especially in a community, especially in my community that has never had strong social programs before. And, you know, we have very high risk of suicide and depression. And um, we have very, very poor ratings when it comes to, um, you know, return to parent with separation from after child abuse and neglect. So I, I would love to see more in the way of that. And, you know, I'd love to hear um, some of my leadership, one person in my leadership, I'd love to hear them talk about programs aimed at reducing um, child abuse and neglect, or aimed at reducing homelessness, or aimed at reducing, um, you know, disparities for people of color or people with disabilities. Hunger, so, hunger. I've heard not. Great. And, yes, hunger. Yeah, yeah. I've, well, and I mean, the council does a pretty good job of uh, working with the food bank when they need to. So mm-hmm. I guess they have checked that box. But there yeah, but are more really things we can do. Have they checked the box? Because you know, my feeling is that there should be in a community our size, with the amount of um, resources here, because there there is money in this community. Yeah, there are there are people who don't have money, but there's also people who have a lot of money. With mm-hmm. with the kind of resources in this community, there should be no hunger. None. It should not exist. Yeah. It shouldn't happen. Yeah. And especially with you children, know, there should be no child hunger here. Some of the positive um, 
steps that have happened in our community to reduce hunger and, and especially child hunger. You know, the Brookings School District, I don't, you, you do not, children do not have to pay for their meals, right. whether you have income or not. You know, it's just across the board because we're so rural and we have such low income status amongst right. families here. Um, they just automatically get the free lunches, which is great. Yep. Um, and then the other is we're one of the few communities that have seven day a week meals, hot meals. You know, well, they're usually hot meals, but sometimes it's sandwiches and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I've eaten them. Mm-hmm. In fact, every time we pick them up and there's extra, I eat them. And so they're really good. But yeah. those are provided by the churches. So we we have solved that in various ways, but you're right. I have not seen a intentional effort from um, city council or county commissioners to address that issue. And I I would like to see more partnership in that area. Absolutely. And I thought I heard uh, at at the last council meeting something about that the there's state money that they are going to funnel into the various counties and cities to uh, start addressing the housing crisis, that it's something like $250,000 or something. I mean, it's a lot, wasn't it? Yes. So, I mean, basically, this is, um, you know, the League of Oregon Cities got together with a lot of the mayors and basically said, you know, we want to, um, you know, the state is creating a bunch of laws that... um, I think some people are hearing, okay, their state's creating laws to make it more difficult for um, cities to respond to homelessness. That's the feeling that I'm hearing sometimes. But really what's happening is the state is coming in and upholding, you know, different district court appeals and different Supreme Court decisions um, that protect us as humans, even though there, I think that there's a subset of our community that feels like it's only protecting certain people, that's because those are the people in those situations. If you were in that situation, it would protect you as well. And so one of those is basically the ability to um, exist in a public um, space and sit, sleep, lay, you know, to, um, I don't remember what all of the um, different determinations were there in the law, but basically these new laws are coming out around the state. And demanding that the cities and the counties deal with their issues instead of pushing it along to the next. And that benefits us in Curry as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want people busing people here. We should not be busing people elsewhere. Everybody should be turning inward and addressing their issues. Exactly. And so with that in mind, they said, well, we're going to need a lot of money to do it. So the cities are getting together and saying, you know, we want, we don't want this money determined by some you know, headcount like the point in time, which is really inefficient and ineffective. Right. We want a set amount of money coming to us based off of just how many citizens we have. We want to base it on our size. And so they, I think they said $40 basically for every citizen um, in your community, in your city. And so that's to go out to every city. This is not passed yet. This is going to be on the next legislative session in right. 2023. Right. So when that passes, we'll know um, if the city's going to get money and how much. And um, I think what we heard from the city council is the two things that I heard they want to use it for, which would potentially be, uh, you know, qualify is abatement, like cleanup of camps and um, uh, law enforcement, which I think public safety is 
would be potentially an, an, a reasonable expense under that. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to point out that I don't think that the intention was to produce more law enforcement and sweeping. I think the intention is actually to produce housing because the second part of the initiative seeks money, separate money from that $40 per person, seeks separate money specifically to fund capital projects like housing and shelters. And they don't mean um, workforce housing. They mean shelters and low barrier um, f- to get people actually off the street and right. use this money in the best way. Right. So, and realistically, me, you know, go, going into winter, I mean, what we, I, it, it hit me the other day when I was out in the storm that we had where the rain was blowing sideways. And I thought, you know, if right. I actually had to live out here during this storm, what on earth would I do? What on earth would I do? Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's, it's a good exercise for each one of us when we are out in that kind of inclement weather to just think about that for a minute. What if you mm-hmm. had nowhere else to go? What would you do? What would you do? Well, and I don't think that most people want to think about that or think they'll ever be in that position. You know, that's yeah. certainly something quick that people can do while they're out and about and really like think about it. But I think the majority of people, it's not going to hit real for them. And that's why we're here as advocates. And, yep. you know, that's why we're working the way we are. And, you know, we will, I, I want to mention that we will have winter shelter this year. We did have it last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have it again this year. And so once we have that, hopefully this week, we'll have our plans up and running. And by the next week, we should have be able to bring people in. Good. Um, and so people will need to get a hold of us at Brookings Co-Response to get on the list and get assessed for, you know, we're, we're going to be bringing people in who are kind of high priority and maybe have medical needs or um, just have high needs. So Good, good. Well, thank you for everything you do because, you know, you you are kind of their last hope. So, you know. Yeah, there's, there's you know, we say that we don't have resources, but there's a team of us out here mm-hmm. and every, there's qu- quite a few people trying to do uh, the best social good. So I agree. Well, it looks like we're out of time again, Diana. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how that happened. And we had a lot to get out of. Uh, we had a know, lot to get out, right? Um, so I know that there's lots happening on a local and county level, and we will keep our listeners apprised of that. Um, so I want to thank our listeners for listening. You can now hear our station streaming. Visit our website kciw.org and find out more. And join our growing family of volunteers, sponsors, and underwriters. Thank you for supporting Community Radio. I'm Candace Michelle, and this is our community.